All right, today, Chris, we have to bring the energy, okay? All right, all right. We're, we're on this. We're on this. We can do this. So welcome, everyone, to Serially Hooked Star Wars. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And today, close-up, please. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at SerialHooked.com, where you can get all our latest info. Make sure you subscribe so we have all of our episodes coming uh, to your podcast app of choice through the miracles of technology and more specifically RSS. Uh, and with that, not bad, but not good. How are you feeling, Rashad? Great. What were the quotes from again? Can you remind me? <laughs> yeah, those were two young quotes who I am grossing, growing increasingly fond of. Uh, the first, the not bad but not good is what he says about Sabine's training in the beginning. And the closer please was at the like at the midpoint-ish uh, when, they're, when they're trying to look at the hyperdrive thing. The Eye of Scion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Hu Yang is becoming the MVP of this show, right? <laughs> he is, and I, I, I was thinking, you know, I like, I love his snark. He is a much superior C three PO. Yeah, I mean, and David Tennant, just the fact that he's voicing him, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, I mean, great, great work by him, and great for him to get into Star Wars like this. Absolutely, I'm so happy. He, I, I've, I've liked his uh, work for a long time, so I'm happy. Like whenever somebody that I like enters the Star Wars universe, I'm just so happy. You know, <laughs> I learned this this week, and I'm not sure if we already knew this, but I maybe had forgotten and relearned it this week. But the fact that Chopper is voiced by Dave Filoni just <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I read that at some point. Uh, that is amazing, and it's nice to see him now, like kind of live action e this time you know it, he looks very like you see him up close and not in an environment that is that doesn't look like completely like super duper over animated and he seems real because it's right? it's actually just like a prop so mm-hmm. it's just all these things and I, I will say about this episode it looks quite good mm-hmm. in general it doesn't look very cgie and back forth it it feels like you're actually there for a lot of it Mm, for sure which is funny because most of it is taking uh, place in space so ironic huh (laughs) it's really great great and something that i also wanted to point out which i forgot to mention last time was that i also really like the music that that they're doing i didn't look up who the composer is but um you know really nice it's mostly subtle at this like until now but really some great uh, instrumental choices here yeah, how dare you not look up the composer? That's your thing, Chris. <laughs> I'm the one who looks up things, that's true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This, what what did you feel about this episode? I liked it. I liked it. I, I Again, it's just kind of a transition episode, this one. They're getting mm. from place to place. But within that, I think there's a lot of cool nuanced things about the characters and we learn some stuff along the way and uh, we learn more about how the pieces are going to fall for the subsequent for the rest of the season, basically. And I think this episode does a good job in... It's entertaining. And it just kind of... It flies by. I mean, the space battle's a little long, but it's fine. We don't get enough space battles, I think, in Star Wars. And <laughs> <laughs> this one was fun to see. And the Eye of Scion is cool. We get to see the Purgles. Amazing. We oh, so like, good. Yeah, there's just... There's a lot of cool things in there. And I think the 
banter in the ship um, also justifies how a lot of the rest of the episode, you know, goes about. And as as I wrote in my notes, not much big stuff happens in this episode, but I think there's a lot on the margins that are interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. There are a few, th- you know, just like advancing things, like getting uh, people to places that they need to be. Um, but nothing that is like shock gasp. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I, because of course I just looked it up. It's Kevin Kiner who is who is uh, doing the score for Ahsoka, and he's done you know a lot of basically for all the animated stuff that uh, all the animated Star Wars stuff. He was the composer, so you know we've heard him in his work in Clone Wars, Rebels, uh, in the Bad Batch. So all around, and like he's done Narcos, or uh, <laughs> randomly CSI Miami and Walker Texas Ranger. The wide variety of things that composers <laughs> get into is right? astounding to me. It's so nice, um, but yeah, just so that I, because of course I, I had to look it up now, um, because how dare I come unprepared? Um, yeah, but yeah, it's an interesting kind of a yeah middle episode. Kind of, going from a to b um and we start with uh some some training of uh sabines with some pseudo japanese names for the training moves which i thought was a little bit like okay it's a little bit too close they're really leaning into this samurai thing yeah especially with the senators later two of them also wear like these garbs that or like three of them even that look like vaguely like japanese or at least like I don't know, like Eastern Asian, which is probably like too big of a term, but you know, they do have that style. And I thought like, okay, this is a little, we get it. We get it. And also, so um, one of the senators, the only senator I think that's named is Senator Ziono, which Mm -hmm. is a nod to the terrible show, Star Wars Resistance, which we are not going to watch on this show unless it becomes good. (laughs) Um, But he's who is the father of the main character of that show who is Mm. that show's character's name is kazuda ziono and Uh. this guy's name the senator his name is hamato ziono so it's very japanese names they're just all over the place they're really leaning into this kind of thing i don't know if i like or dislike it i (laughs) dislike it so much but that's just me (laughs) yeah of course it was like yeah it's just too close it's just too close um but yeah, so we get a lot of interesting training stuff with Sabine. I love the um, the little quote of like, you win this round. And she says that to the cup that she can't move with force powers that she may or may not have. Um, I'm sure we'll get some revelation about that later. But or maybe we won't. That's going to be interesting to see. I would love that. I would love if she just doesn't have force powers. I think honestly. that's the question. So yeah. the big question coming out of this episode for me from a like a larger star wars perspective is can you be a jedi without force powers mm-hmm. what do you think <laughs> <laughs> damn it uh, you beat me to it i just wanted to ask you the same thing um so so the thing okay that is an interesting question what is more important being able to wield a lightsaber or being able to use the force like could would you say i'm, I'm going to turn this around and ask you first would you say somebody uh, could be called a Jedi if they don't ha- use a lightsaber? You are just, you know, cop out not answering the question. <laughs> I think the lightsaber, I think they're both really important. But I think mm. also what we're forgetting is that 
we associate just forced users with Jedi, but yeah. Jedi are part of an order, right? And I think that you can conceivably be a part of a that order. It's a pseudo-religious order, basically. Mm-hmm. And you can be, I think, from my perspective, you can be a part of the Jedi without being a force user. I think there are two things. There's a force user on one side, there's Jedi on the other, right? Mm-hmm. And for most of the Jedi's history, they are one and the same because they also fight against the dark side. It's a whole thing, right? They are an organization. I think conceivably, yes, you can be a Jedi without being able to wield the force. I think being a Jedi, for being a Jedi, though, it's more important, the force, than having a lightsaber because anyone can pick up a lightsaber and slash it around for a little bit. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Or even, yeah, exactly. Or like the, um, the, all the different Mandalorians who had the, held the dark saber over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think being a part of a Jedi is really about going through the initiation phase of, of training under the Jedi system, understanding the, the precepts of being a Jedi. And I think that's to a fault. And I really, I, it resonates to me the message of The Last Jedi always about how the Force is within everyone and anyone can tap into the Force. Mm-hmm. And it is this thing that the Jedi kind of try to hold to, the, to hold to each other and or hold within the Order. And I think that was quite, you know, to their de- detriment and to their eventual downfall. Mm-hmm. So I think that just as you can be a Force user who's not a Jedi, you can be a non-Force user who is a Jedi um, in this new world that we are establishing post the collapse of the Jedi Order at, at large. Yeah, and I think Ahsoka says that to Sabine to motivate her, right? Like, we we all have the Force within us, so... I think also Ahsoka responds to Hu Yang, I think, and his query by saying um, she doesn't need her to be a Jedi, she just mm-hmm. needs her to be herself. And yeah. herself is enough to succeed in what she needs to do for this training. For sure. Yeah, I really, I for me personally, force powers would be more important than having a lightsaber for like a Jedi, I guess. But yeah, I think one could do without either. I guess the question is, what is a Jedi? <laughs> what is a Jedi? Uh <laughs> Uh, tune in next time for our meta discussion on what is a Jedi. No, but I mean, you know, they it's it's more about the wisdom that they impart and their mediating role. Role, I guess they're not they're not just fighters, right? So, yeah, I think I mean I I just said earlier what I think a Jedi is, and I think it really is being part of a specific order. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it is being uh, a light, you know, uh, a user of the light side of the force, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think are two different things because Ahsoka is not a Jedi, right? And Mm -hmm. she says that very clearly that she's not a Jedi, and I think that's part of uh, the nuance that we're understanding about the gray within the two black and white, you know, poles of the Force. Mm -hmm. Speaking about black and white, uh, Hu Yang mentions mentions this thing to Ahsoka that uh, you know, Mandalorian. There haven't been a lot of Mandalorian Jedi. And I guess, you know, the, uh, you know, Ahsoka's, like where Ahsoka comes from also doesn't really have a lot of Jedi. So I guess that makes sense for Hu Yang is what he says. But that's, that's always such, such like midichlorian territory. I always hate when that comes up. 
Can you say that again, just so that I understand exactly what you said? Because based on what you said, I will rail on a different, different, completely different directions. <laughs> sure. Uh, I was saying that like Huyang is doing this, like oh, you know, like Mandalorians, and I forget what Ahsoka, like Ahsoka's uh, background is called, but like they haven't produced a lot of Jedi, so like they haven't really, they don't have that many Force sensitive people, and I always find that a little bit icky in terms of like you know like oh it has to do with midichlorians aka genetics and i don't know i always hate that so i actually think you got that wrong um in the way that he what they were saying exactly so hmm. um sorry to say that to you no, uh, a, a, a she's a togruda that's where that's the there name of her species um and b who young tells her that you come from an odd line of uh jedi which refers to her trait her her masters 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 so that's referring to anakin being odd obi-wan and qui-gon being odd dooku being the one who trained qui-gon so this long lineage of very obscure jedi essentially i think that's hmm. what hu young is referencing when he tells her that you come from an obscure line of uh, jedi and uh, the reason why i mean man, there's very few mandalorians isn't because that they're not force sensitive it's because they're historically antagonistic towards the jedi and fight mm. wars and wars and wars with the jedi and don't just let the jedi come sweep in and take their children so i think that it necessarily isn't the i mean i get what you're coming at and i also agree this whole genetics midichlorian blah 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 blah, blah is kind of bs but i don't think that was that's what was coming up in this conversation Great. Now I feel better. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here to help. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But all that entire discussion was like really interesting for sure about like, you know, and the like quote unquote running gag, which I'm sure might have some some form of like tragedy at some point with Hu Yang still being, you know, uh, in the Jedi ways, it's like, oh, this is the Jedi way, and the programming, and the like, all of the different um, procedures. We're doing this the Jedi way, and where he is the only person who technically was in the Jedi Order at the time that it fell um, of the three of them. So, like, he just, you know, which makes sense. He's been there for like hundreds of years, as he said himself, and um, <laughs> you know, it's difficult to let go, I guess. I think there's no way that Hu Yang survives this season, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, I thought I thought for sure that like, oh, like when he when he was shot, I was like, wow, that would be quite a way to go. Like, oh yeah, he he's just growing on me, and then f he's done <laughs> very quickly. I was like, wow, that would be quite the twist. But yeah, I agree. I, I I can feel it coming. I sense a disturbance in the force. I think the only way that he will survive, or the only reason he would survive, is because they paid David Tennant a bunch of money to voice him, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Or he just goes somewhere else, like works with the New Republic or something. But he's not going to be a, a companion to Ahsoka for much longer. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, if he goes into the New Republic, that's depressing. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, talking about the New Republic, that meeting, though, right? I feel so bad for Hera. And mm -hmm. Mon Mothma. She's just surrounded by idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oof. It's surprising to me. So basically, Hera is asking them for a task force to go help Ahsoka, right? Mm. And Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma, from at least what I understood from the scene, seems amenable to it, but the senators around her are not. And mm. it seems that, um, I mean, Hera doesn't get her way, obviously, but it seems that it is because the senators outvote Mon Mothma in the scenario. I think that 
one of the failures, in my opinion, and this is just from this one scene, one of the failures of not only the New Republic, but Mon Mothma specifically, is mm. her uh, continued adherence to the workings of democracy. Sometimes I feel like she just had to like put her foot down <laughs> and be like, uh-huh. no, I'm the chancellor now. And just be the one. Pull up Palpatine. <laughs> yes, pull up Palpatine. <laughs> she just needs this tiny drop of Palpatine in her. Nice. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me because that, what does that say about the new, like they continue to do where the old Republic kind of fell off. Like all of that sort of people who have no idea what's going on making the decisions and always coming back to, oh, we're the representatives though. So, you know, it's us who make the decisions. And I was like, oh, come on. And that's why I really, I, I was like cheering when Hera just asked uh, the senator whether he's uh, he was part of the war. Yeah. And that was so well. But of course, they use it against her as well. So that was kind of uh, very frustrating. But in that, like, you know, very efficiently, very well written I feel like that scene really just gets you to feel the frustration of Hera. Mm. And I think that's it's that's what it's there for, and it's very effective at doing that. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. It's just like the more I n- learn about the New Republic in this like in the this show and the previous ones, uh, like Man- Mando season three and everything, it's like, it's just a shit show, honestly. <laughs> They're just terrible, bureaucratically speaking. They have a (laughs) few talented people, of course, but no, no, no. They're really bad. Yeah. Also, that line about like, oh, but we have um, people from the Empire working in every, uh, in every, on every level in the New Republic really reminded me of like post-war Germany denazification and all of that stuff. It's like, wow, okay, you have some nice historic precedent here, I guess. It's so bad. It's so <laughs> bad. I think part of the thing is that, okay, the goal of these shows is to lead us to the sequel trilogy, basically. Yeah. And part of that is justifying why did the First Order rise so soon after the fall of the Empire? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important that they keep hammering home the fact that the New Republic was an idiot like yeah. organization it was just not a smart organization that didn't do a good job at their but yeah they just ugh, i can't i'm just repeating myself here <laughs> yeah if if you want to boil it down it is exactly because of this meeting that we just saw that the uh the first order ro- rose you know <laughs> yeah exactly it's just idiocy after idiocy and that's unfortunate that but it's also what i'm trying to say is that that's the goal of these shows is to show mm-hmm. how they are inept and they're doing that actually quite effectively and making us actually dislike the new republic in many ways. Mm. Yeah, for sure. They're, like what Star Wars as a whole has said about institutions and <laughs> and like organizations and all that sort of stuff is very very interesting as like a meta political comment. I oh, for sure. <laughs> and they're not wrong. Um, preach <laughs> <laughs> okay quick thing we get um a shot of jason hanging out with wow. chopper wow you just took my next question away from me yes my question for you is uh-huh. how do you spell jason <laughs> i mean in my notes i just noted it noted it down as like the way you would spell jason like in real in the real world but i know that is j a c i n in j a c e n 
en ja 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 and it was like of course because it's like the um game of thrones way of spelling all the names that we know just slightly differently yeah it's so silly especially because it's the most <laughs> generic normal name in star wars right but they, but i think they've they've slowly run out of space names because i think in the last two episodes they've also had a few names where i thought like oh that's i mean obviously morgan elspeth but like other people as well where i think there was like just one random person who also has like i just had like a normal ass name and i thought oh they're beginning to run out of uh galaxy names i guess but they also uh, in, have introduced in this episode like shin hati and balin yeah. skull and maruk and these random names that so keep going don't you know make things normal for us please no please like you know there have been we we have talked a lot about the stupid names that have come up throughout the star wars history but i'll take any of those over jason well i guess um, also like the most you know for the first star wars name is luke so it's <laughs> <laughs> that's so true though um but uh, yeah what did you think about jason appearing i think it makes sense that they have to show us that he's there and mm. just be like you know acknowledge his existence and they might do something with him in the future but i he's just on the side i don't think i think if he were a bigger part of the show it would bother mm. me a little bit but just here he is he's palling around with chopper making uh i mean chopper is not the best babysitter out there. <laughs> no and harrow should know that i kind of hope that chopper is just like putting in um ideas of mischievousness into um jason's like subconscious so if we see jason when he's grown up he's just like this real badass basically like chopper would turn a child into a flat earther just for the lols <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh my god um but yeah i don't know i think it was a nice nod to like you know obviously we know about canaan and all of that stuff uh so that was a you know it's, it's one of these things where we've talked about okay if you haven't watched rebels um you know what does that mean uh and for us we know harris history and everyone else just knows that she has a kid i guess yeah, I mean, why would she keep it a secret, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's nice, you know? It's a nice, I guess, not, it's not really work-life balance because she's mostly working. But um, yeah, still, it is, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, that's her dedication. Basically, but... Chopper is Jason's father raising him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, imagine you have, like, uh, now I'm just imagining, like, the peanuts that always just make the noises are like... Whoa. <laughs> like all the adults and it's like that's basically what chopper does yeah. <laughs> that was a good impression yeah yeah i feel like like i think i think i did one uh last time as well and i thought like oh i make a pretty good chopper impression <laughs> it's good it's always a nice skill to have <laughs> but speaking of uh stupid names in star wars we get uh, morgan elspeth's turbo lasers later on which I thought was just the stupidest name ever. Um, obviously, uh, Ahsoka and Sabine get and Huyang uh, get chased by now. I don't I Shin by Shin uh, and like some of her cronies, and they discover the um, what was it the Science Wrath or whatever it's called, the Eye of Sion, the Eye of, Eye of Sion, um, and also beware the spelling here. Um, but 
uh, yeah, just like some, some, as you mentioned, some space fights that is nice because we don't get that much of it in Star Wars throughout, but maybe a little bit shorter would have would have been okay. Um, we get a little bit of back and forth between Ahsoka and uh, and Sabine, which kind of reminded me of um, Han and Luke in the first Star Wars film, uh, like when they are being attacked on the Millennium Falcon. Uh, that was kind of a nice uh, dynamic there. And uh, yeah, then they seek refuge on the planet. But what did you think of that? Yeah, that's a good um, reference because I'm talking about Han and Luke because this space battle is essentially Ahsoka and Sabine learning to work with each other again. And mm-hmm. through the conflict or through the battle, finding their common ground. And that's very similar to what Luke and Han did when they first kind of came together. So I, I actually I really like that and how that draws a parallel to Han and Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And there's some fun stuff in the episode as well, just where um, Ahsoka goes out onto the the wing and just flips around and and takes out mm-hmm. a couple ships with her lightsabers, being a badass as she is. And Sabine is just kind of like in in awe of Ahsoka and forgetting that she has to keep fixing the ship. <laughs> and just little humor like that, which is quite fun in the middle of this battle scene. And it, I think it breaks it up quite well because you have the quite elongated initial battle sequence or mm-hmm. uh, or a uh, space fight and then they're approaching to scan the the eye of scion and then she they're tr- they're basically destroying the ship mm-hmm. and then you have them you know uh like ahsoka on the wing and all that and then you have the planets like uh planet se- chase sequence and the purgle and all that so i think it's a quite even though it's it takes up the bulk of the episode I think it's broken up quite well and mm. there's interesting stuff in the characters um, and their relationships and the, because, because essentially where we left off last episode, yeah. Okay. Sabine came and said, she's ready to go, but there was still antagonism between Ahsoka and Sabine. Mm. So they needed to, in some ways show that they are getting over that and no, there is no better force to bring people together <laughs> than a space battle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, what what did you think about the Purgles showing up? I love the Purgles. It was so <laughs> cool. I thought mm-hmm. they wouldn't be that whaley, if that makes sense. They looked <laughs> yeah, yeah. really much like whales because in, yeah. in, the, in the cartoon, they're purplish, right? With like these yellow dots, glowing dots all around them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of more how I imagined them. But these are just straight up whales. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Whales with tails. And it wasn't bad. Around. I liked it. I thought it was cool. And mm-hmm. I think it was, it's, it's, we've been talking about them for so long. We've, te- they've teased it in the Mandalorian. They, it's mm-hmm. about time they showed us the Purgle. And I wonder <laughs> if we're going to get to see them again in the future. I mean, maybe, maybe Ezra's going to show up on one of them or something. Um, because they, didn't they speak to him or something in the, uh, in Rebels? So he had a forced connection with animals. That was sort of his thing. And one of the the things was the, he could connect with the Purgles that way. Yeah. Amazing. He's just going to be riding in like it's a sandworm in Dune. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was picturing. (laughs) Uh, And I remember not really liking the Purgles that much in Rebels, but I think that was maybe just the entire arc of things that happened. Um, And I, you know, (laughs) I I liked, I I liked them here, even though, yeah, they did look a little, a little bit too whaley. But, you know, it's fine. 
I'm just um, imagining uh, Ezra as the Kwisatz Haderach of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that could happen. Like, you say that now, but, you know, there's a lot of Chosen One bullshit in Star Wars, so. Muad'Dib! <laughs> <laughs> Sun- suddenly, uh, Ezra get- is played by Timothy Chalamet. And has blue eyes and long yeah, locks exactly. of hairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um but yeah so our friends uh hide on the planet and we see balan skull who just sends his troops trying to find them so i'm sure we're gonna get some nice ground fights and hopefully some ahsoka on balan action next time but the very last shot was really interesting to me because i thought and i'm curious to hear what you think balan skull looked almost wistful at the end not not menacing but just like kind of like melancholic i think the melancholy connects to what he was talking about in the past in the last mm-hmm. episode where he's yep. he's you know not he doesn't really want to kill ahsoka basically exactly Maybe, or he's foreseeing his own death or his own <laughs> like destruction i don't know what's going on but Damn. he's a really interesting character because we also really haven't seen him in battle much it's always been shin hati doing her doing his work so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what is his uh, power set how can he fight against ahsoka and how is he going to hold up against her yeah but he has a lot like he has a strong physicality for sure uh he is like big <laughs> um which also was kind of a bummer obviously that the actor ha- has died since filming yeah ray so- stevenson yeah, that was like, because I thought like, oh yeah, I remember like when the when the first episode when I watched the first episode, I thought like, oh yeah, I know this actor. Where do I know them from? And I looked them up, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck no. Uh, and so yeah, now I I can't help but think about that a lot, honestly. Well, he's not going to be in season two of Ahsoka. Then we know that. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. I mean, I hope not. I hope they don't animate him. um but uh no i don't think i don't think that's gonna happen but um still uh yeah what do you think what's gonna happen uh next episode what are you looking forward to i think i mean it's gonna be as you said the his minions are gonna hunt them down Mm -hmm. they're gonna just destroy them all basically or Mm -hmm. maybe like feign capture them and take them to balin or something they're basically gonna have a a ground battle like a lightsaber battle between balin and ahsoka and I imagine they will lose and I will imagine somehow something's going to happen. Maybe Sabine gets caught by Shin Hati or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they will be transported to the eye of Scion uh, because that's what star Wars does. <laughs> they, <laughs> they capture our protagonists and then move them to an important location that we need to see. Yeah. And then I would imagine also that we, we get them going to the other galaxy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what happens on that end. Um, and maybe by the end of the episode, if we're lucky, we get to see Thrawn. Um, mm-hmm. But I doubt we're going to see Thrawn next episode. I've just, it's well, just the whole thing <laughs> is just a countdown to Thrawn. For sure. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I could see them getting caught because they're trying to relay the information to Hera the, the, about the eye of Sion. Uh, and that's like they pick up the signal or something and because that's the that's honestly my biggest question it's not about them like getting captured or anything it's just like are they 
going to be able to relay that information to Hera so that she can uh, form a team and then, I don't know, come to their aid later when we least expect it, when they're back in this galaxy, you know? Maybe, but the way I read this episode and Hera's transmission, I I read that as Hera's out of the rest of the season. That's what mm. I understood, that, that mm-hmm. Hera served kind of her purpose and then she can't go help. And so she basically said, I'm out. But you never know. That'd be really cool if they could, you know, transmit that information and then come back to help in the later parts of the season but yeah. i don't think that's gonna be the case yeah maybe not maybe not that'd be sad though no more hera no more chopper we were i mean we should just be glad for what we had right i i mean i'm just so happy <laughs> so um yeah i think that's pretty much it i think hera and chopper deserve a show yes absolutely absolutely that's a that's a good that's a good very good point i wish i mean we'll see you know this is going to be obviously the last show of the year but hopefully going going forward i guess the executives now have a lot of um time to think about what they want to do because no one's working for them anymore (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly and i guess that kind of works uh in tandem with Bob Iger's idea of not like producing less shows. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> uh, which is kind of sad, but I guess it was coming either way. Um, but yeah, if uh, I think that's it for, for this time. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date and have you know all of our new episodes coming straight to you. For Rashad, I'm Chris, and talk to you next time. Bye.